Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 84, How to Position Yourself for Best Entry to Graduate School. So you've thought about this and you've decided you want to go for a degree after your bachelor's. You're thinking of grad school for a master's or a PhD, a law degree, a medical degree, a business degree. How do you help your chances of getting into the program you want? In an earlier episode, we talked about the sorts of questions that each standardized test, the GRE, the LSAT, and the MCAT have, and ways to prepare for them in general. If you can't go through a prep course, buy, rent, or borrow test preparation books, Kaplan and Princeton Review publish a lot of these, and become familiar with the layout and the content of the test you're preparing for. Give yourself time to prepare thoroughly. Don't rush into the test, because a lower score will do you no good emotionally or substantively. Take practice tests, first untimed, and later working yourself up to timed conditions. Do your homework. What do the schools you want to attend typically require and accept from their incoming students? Keep in mind, the requirements, such as the average GPA and the test scores, are lower than incoming class, so you want to see what the last three to five classes' scores have been to be competitive. You don't just want to look at the bare minimum. You want to see what are average people getting accepted scoring. If you're looking at graduate school, find schools that do research and teach in areas that really interest you. I love talking and teaching about crime and deviance. So I look at schools that have a criminology specialization or a socio-legal specialization. Or I might look at education or at sports as a specialization and apply to those schools because they're researching and they're teaching in the areas that I'm fascinated about. But then take this homework a step further. Look at what specific people, what the professors in the department write about and publish because that's going to tell you the kind of research ideas coming from that school or that department. And often at research intensive universities, professors are rewarded more for their research than their teaching. So what they publish gives you some insight as to what they really care about because they have a lot more control over what they study and research and what they publish about than what classes they teach. And speaking of professors, develop good relationships with some of your own professors because this is gonna really come in handy when you need letters of recommendation as well as getting advice about going through grad school because your professors have gone through at least some grad school. At minimum, they're gonna have a master's degree. So they have some experience dealing with the stresses of getting into and surviving grad school. Make sure you give your professors time to write strong letters of recommendation for you and give them things like your resume, papers you've written, classes you've taken with them, the grades you've earned. Because as much as we like many of our students we're not going to remember every student's grade and every student's paper. And we want to write about you and show your strengths and your talent and your growth if we can. So be especially engaged in the classes where you know I'm going to ask this professor for a letter and make sure to participate thoughtfully and consistently during class sessions. 
figure out where you're going to live. Grad school is years. Yeah, plural. Mm -hmm. So make sure you find a place that's affordable, comfortable, and safe for you to live in for a while. Do searches online. Talk to students if you can about what the areas around campus are like or where you'll live if you commute. See what the area is like outside of school. Are there parks that you can go to? If you're me, are there live sports? Are there theaters, movies, or play theaters? You want to make sure you have an outlet for yourself separate from school. Because if school is all you do 24-7, you're going to burn out. It's a really good idea to have some non-academic interests and passions. Okay, maybe I'm not the right person to say that because I'm definitely <laughs> turning my sports passion into a work passion, both as a photographer and a researcher. But you want to have some things that you enjoy that allow you to not think about school for some time. Also, and this is one of the things that I see a lot of students who want to go to grad school not realizing. Graduate school is very, very, very different from undergrad. In undergrad, the goal is the grade. The goal is getting a really good grade on a test, usually, or a really good grade on a project, but the goal is the grade. That's what most undergrads focus on is I've got to take this test and I've got to take that test and I've got to do this project and I need to get straight A's. But in grad school, you are moving from taking classes to doing professional work. And so the workload intensifies. You're reading a book or five or six articles or chapters for each class each week. And you're trying to understand big themes that connect those readings, not the individual specifics of that reading. Or you're doing a lot more experiments or you're doing a lot of problem sets because the goal of grad school is not the grade. The goal is now you are supposed to be a knowledge creator rather than a knowledge consumer. Your goal is to create new ideas, to create new knowledge, develop workplace skills, and position yourself for a specialized job, professor, or lawyer, or physician. And your focus should not be on your grades anymore. Now your focus should be developing your skills in classes, writing creative ideas, and research involves creativity too, and broadening your professional networks. So you need to start attending talks on campus, or conferences, or professional workshops. You'll never know who you'll meet that way that you may want to work with or befriend. If you're able to do this as an undergrad, like presenting research on campus at a symposium or attending a local conference, that's a really good way of seeing what people study and research and to see if you're actually really interested in graduate school or not. And one other thing that I was never told, and I wish I had been, start working on articles for publication in your first year of grad school. One of the big things you need to be doing in grad school is building up a research CV. You need to be publishing research and showing I know what I'm talking about. In law school, you're going to aim for getting into the law review. If you were in medical school, you're going to want to be writing articles that will be published in medical journals. This is not something you want to leave until the third or fourth year of grad school or law school or med school. You want to be hitting the ground running and doing that in your first or second term so that you've got your name out there where other people who might want to work with you on that sports article will know where to find you. And that means taking the projects that you write for your classes, taking those papers 
and putting more thought into them than just I want to get the grade because you're writing for a much broader audience when you're trying to get published and you're writing for a very different goal. Your goal is to show new ideas or to convince people of new research. You're not just trying to get an A from someone. Mm -hmm. Now, my own experiences with getting into grad school, I first studied for law school and I took the LSAT. I took a prep course for it and it helped a little bit, but I honestly didn't do that great on the test. I took it twice. I got, I think, a 153 and a 156. So I was somewhere in the middle. But while I was studying for the LSAT, I was tutoring people at the time. I realized I really enjoyed teaching a lot. And I was really interested in crime, but I began having my doubts about whether being a lawyer was the right fit for me. Admittedly, part of it was not doing well on the test, but also thinking, oh my God, do I really want to have to argue and fight day in and day out? Now, I was a little naive. I didn't realize just how much arguing there is in research <laughs> and in academia, right? If I knew then what I know now. But that's why we're here, so you can tell everybody else what you knew then and what you know now. Exactly. But I found a new way of looking at crime, and that was through criminology and sociology. And so now, instead of figuring out either how to argue someone is guilty or how someone is not guilty, I could now try doing research on different ways that the law changes throughout different societies, how people get punished. And that meant I now had to look at a new test, and that was the GRE. Now for this test, I studied on my own. I didn't take a prep course, but I got a lot of used books. I was borrowing from the library, um, really for both the LSAT and the GRE, but a lot more for the GRE. I spent way too much time learning vocabulary that I've never used in grad school or after. Pultitrudinous, anyone? And we talked about developing relationships with your professors. And I was able to do that when I was an undergrad at UC Davis. I'd like to give a special shout out to my undergrad mentor, Dr. Bruce Haynes. And I made sure to participate in a lot of classes with professors that I asked letters from. I would talk to them during office hours. I would make sure to try and ask and answer questions. And in my senior year as an undergrad, I wrote a thesis looking at how the Sacramento Bee, the newspaper, covered hate crimes over a certain period of time. And I presented that at an undergraduate research conference. So I had some ideas of what it meant to present research in front of others. This experience was something I could work into my personal statements. And I applied to schools that taught and researched in my areas. Now, what I didn't know, especially with the, really with both locations was look at things like climate, because I grew up in Northern California and moving first to New England and then to the Southern California desert was a bit of a shock. In both directions. You, yep. got, you got both ends of the, of the uh, thermometer, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Now, for me, getting into grad school meant researching the professors I wanted to work with. And due to some non-academic reasons, I knew that I needed to stay in SoCal. I couldn't go traveling away to New England or, you know, the Midwest. And so I researched what kind of work different professors at the PhD granting institutions in my area 
were doing. And I found to my surprise that my own undergrad institution was the one actually doing the kind of work I wanted to do in terms of research. So although this is not normally done, I applied to my own undergrad institution and I made sure that I got most of my letters of recommendation from professors in departments outside of the one I was applying to so that it wouldn't look like, oh, well, you know, these professors are in the same department he's applying to. You know, I wanted to make sure that I was applying to the sociology department and that I wasn't having a lot of sociology professors writing me letters of rec because it was their own department they were writing them for. So I went to folks outside of the department that I was applying to. I had a history professor and a psych professor. I think I had a poli-sci professor. They all wrote me letters of rec because I was doing a minor in law and society. And so I had to take an interdisciplinary set of courses to take that minor. And as part of the honors program in undergrad, I was also advised to do what we've already told you to do, create a portfolio of my best work to give to those professors so they would have an easy time remembering who I was and what kind of work I was capable of. And I was also warned specifically, don't put multiple choice exams in this portfolio unless they have essays in them. Because graduate school is not about multiple choice exams. It's not about memorization. It's about application and extension of the ideas that you're learning. Multiple choice exams won't show that. Papers will. Projects will. Give them a copy of your own personal statement so that they can see what it is you're trying to do. In all ways, try to make it easy for your professors to write you the letters that you need to get into grad school. Now, the way students can use the advice in this episode, keep on top of your work. You want to make it easy for your professor to write you a glowing review. One simple thing you can do is to make sure all your assignments are submitted on time and done well. I'd say at least a B minus or higher to be safe. A bad test is much easier to explain either in your statement or in the letter of recommendation than this student half-assed a term paper for me. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking about grad school, meaning school after the bachelor's degree, participate in your classes consistently and thoughtfully. Be willing to ask and answer questions, but don't just try and chime in for the sake of having your voice heard. Make sure that what you say is related to the top, to the subject at hand. And in a related area, give your letter writers the materials that they need to write you a glowing letter of recommendation and make it as easy as possible for them to highlight your strengths and say, this student really knows how to put words together. They wrote this amazing paper for my law class where they just, I thought they should have been a lawyer, so obviously they're a shoe in for your law school. You want them to be able to say things like that about you. And do your due diligence on the programs that you are interested in. Figure out, why do I want to go there? What are they looking for? work toward preparing in terms of getting grades in those schools ranges and preparing for the standardized tests you might have to take. Don't half-ass this. Don't just take the GRE on a whim. Don't take the LSAT on a whim. Take it after you've studied for it and prepared for it. Now teachers, make your students aware of academic and professional conferences and encourage them to participate. The man who ended up being not just my dissertation chair, but also my master's thesis chair and my bachelor's thesis chair, the first semester I was in undergrad at his school, he encouraged me to go to the California Sociological Association Conference, which was happening at a local hotel in our city that year, and present research that I'd done for his class. And I did, and I was terrified because I'm like, oh my God, these people all have doctorates. Well, no, a lot of them were also graduate students and undergraduate students. But if you make them aware of these professional conferences, they're more likely to participate. 
and allow them to develop paper ideas and topics in your classes wherever possible. And remember, for students, all conferences are big time. Sure, you might think only national and international conferences are worth your time, but tell your students about your local ones and your regional ones. For sociology, for example, the California Sociological Association and the Pacific Sociological Association, they are very student-friendly in offering um, students opportunities to present their research, and this experience is valuable. Um, I went to a Law and Society Association meeting one time during um, grad school, during early grad school. And I remember going in and saying deprecatingly, okay, all of you have JDs and PhDs, and I'm still working on my master's degree. And at the end of it, many of them came up to me and said, we would never have known if you hadn't told us, don't worry about it. So you need to reassure your students too that they're interested in hearing from scholars, no matter what level we're talking about. Work with your students who want to go to grad school. Have your students explain why they want to pursue this career and work with them. Tell students what you need from them for a strong letter of recommendation, and if possible, let your students read a draft of the letter. Now, if you feel you cannot write them a strong letter, then be honest with the student. I've had to tell students that I couldn't write them a letter because they asked me less than a week before the deadline, and or they really hadn't participated much in my classes, or they missed assignments or submitted really subpar work and didn't revise when given the option. So it was a case of too little too late. Yeah, and in order to help with this, have a standard form that students can fill out when they ask for a letter. And part of this form could be if you don't have at least a B plus in my class or if your GPA is not at least three point whatever, then I can't write you a letter. You know, you have to meet these standards. And this form should also include finding out what the student has done in your class, what grades they received in your class, what they remember about participating in your class, and how they want to use their degree. I've had students who filled out the form that I make them use, and it tells me about community work they've done that would relate to how they want to use their graduate degree in social work. I've had others fill out the form telling me about papers they've written that sparked an interesting research question that they really want to do a deep dive on during grad school. The more information you can get the students to give you, the easier it's going to be to write them that letter of recommendation. So that's what we have for you in episode 84. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. Also, we would really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to join us next week for episode 85, when we'll talk about student-athletes and the special problems and challenges they face. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier. And we look forward to seeing you next week.